family, and welcome to another episode of Normal with Autism. We are walking with faith on this side of the spectrum, and we invite you to the kitchen table to experience the joy in the journey. I'm Tara. I'm Sarah. And my dog decided that she wants to bark at something just as we started recording. That's the way it goes. Because that's what we do. And now Craig is letting her out. Thank you, Craig. You gotta go. You gotta go. But it's like negative 10 out right now. She's a dog. She don't know. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Oh, all right. Thanks. Are you excited about it? I do not care. (laughs) At all. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Hey, if you don't care about the Super Bowl, or if you do care about the Super Bowl, will you rate, review, and subscribe us? To us? What? To us? I want them, I want people to go on wherever they're listening to the podcast and rate, review, and subscribe us. Like, to let us know, like, you're fantastic. I love you. Five stars. It's just bothering me that you're saying subscribe us, not subscribe to us. Subscribe to us. Subscribe to us. I'm using my open communication skills. Do you like them? Better now. Check us out on Facebook and Instagram. Until I delete it again. <laughs> It'll happen. That's, I can't. That's, Any day. I can't delete my personal Facebook page because I tried. To. And then it said, you will also lose. Yeah. You're normal with autism Facebook page. And I went, well, F. Yeah. Not happy. So, okay. And then head to the website. And if you feel so compelled, please drop us a dollar to support our work because we need it. But also subscribing and all of that helps, too, because yes. that's how you get sponsors. Yes. And that's how you get in front of more ear holes. Guys, I really want to tell you about HelloFresh and I ain't doing it for free. <laughs> that's right. You went, We had an official podcast meeting yesterday. And with chili cheese fries. With chili cheese fries and a Reese, a cookie egg. Reese, a Reese cookie. A, it's a pizookie. It's a cookie like baked in the pan and then with a scoop of ice cream on top. And it was a Reese. It's a Reese pe- cookie. Reese Pieces cookie. Cookie. I always used to say Reese Pieces. Mm-hmm. And then... The one of the doctors I work for made me feel really stupid for it. So now I always have to stop and be like Reese's Pieces. That is not okay. No, he's like, it's fine. It's a local flavor. And I was like, "Mm." (laughs) just because you went to Harvard doesn't mean you get to. (laughs) He went to Boston and Harvard. (laughs) So it's a Reese's Pieces cookie baked warm in a pan and has a scoop of ice cream on top so what anyway you, you were talking about a meeting though <laughs> what i'm saying is if you would go to the website and drop us a dollar sarah could get another pazuki yeah they're kind of expensive and she would be happy to share it with you mm. <laughs> did i share it with you no i was hurt too i was like i didn't even offer There's our waitress laid down two spoons and i was like i'm gonna get a bite of the cookie nope, and then you were both. like mm, i'm done and i just kept talking just trying to help you out okay anyway um ah, deep breath it's sunday night it's super bowl sunday night so anyway we had this meeting oh you want to finish the story i don't know where you're going with it i don't remember either Cool. So the Buccaneers are playing. You mean Tom Brady's playing? <laughs> Tom Brady's playing. <laughs> We've got it on. I don't even know who's winning at this point. I, I thought, aren't the, the Chiefs, who was changing their name? Who, which racist team was changing their name? The Washington Redskins. And oh, now okay. they're just the, the football team from Washington. They're just the Washington football team until they come up with a new non-racist mascot is chiefs racist this seems not the best i mean it's probably not good Hmm. i was just wondering we could we should probably google that yeah and double check that yeah okay well uh, maybe it's subjective okay well you know what we we can cut all this out (laughs) 
No, 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 no. Everything stays in. <laughs> Having a podcast is someone that does not think before they speak. Someone that doesn't think, is this interesting to anyone but me? We've lost probably 10 of the 10 people by now, I'm sure, yeah. that are listening. So the other thing is, is that we're a few weeks out from the inauguration. Can we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. And I still have all the feels. Do you? Yeah. I loved it. I know. Was it amazing? It really was. And I'm not even like, yay, Team Joe. I'm talking about yay, Team Amanda Gorman. Yeah. Because she was uh, freaking amazing. So good. Um, Like I saw, I told you this, I saw her speak. Did I tell you this or was I telling somebody else? I saw her speak and I recognized like she's only 22 years old. And then I felt better. Yeah. I like felt better about us as a human race. Yeah. Cause the ones coming up. Yeah. Because I was like, we're going to be okay. I was like, if, if we've got, if there, there are more people like her on the planet, we're going to be okay. Yeah. And in this country, it's going to be okay because she is, she was amazing. And so she did her poem, mm-hmm. the poem, uh, the hill we climb. Um, and listening to it, I, I probably have read it a couple hundred times at this point just because it's gorgeous just to read it. But then to listen to her perform it mm-hmm. was just amazing. Like on a national, international stage. Exactly. It wasn't just our country yeah. aware of what was happening for her in that moment. Like yeah. this was a global audience she was right. in front of. And do you know what my favorite thing about that was? Is that I haven't seen one negative Mm-mm. response, comment. Mm-mm. Like everyone is on the same page that she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, that never happens. Yeah. She was, she was amazing. She is amazing. And, and, and she's blowing up and I'm, I'm so happy for her that she's blowing up. Mm-hmm. Um, like her and Oprah are besties now. Yeah. And Michelle Obama and, did the interview for yeah right yep and i'm just i'm so happy for her and so thankful that she shared that gift that she shared with us yeah on that day um and we are kind of lucky because we actually have a member of our family of the podcast friend of the pod a friend of the pod a family member of the pod who's here with us tonight and she is going to talk to us and educate us a little bit more about Miss Amanda. Could we say she's our pod daughter? Our pod? That's kind of weird because isn't she your age? Yeah. And. I'm trying to think of something that pod. I'm only like eight years older than you. So please don't make me feel. Pod. Well, we're going to figure it out. We're well, workshopping it. Okay. Why don't you. We'll workshop it in a minute. Why don't you go ahead and introduce her? Okay. So we are going to be talking with my good friend soul sister amazing human being her name is casey (laughs) casey morris you know her you love her and if you don't now you will soon yay welcome casey hi ladies um first of all i want to say i'm really humbled to be here i want to tie this back to amanda gorman's poem and how she said that you should be the light. And I see that in both of you with how you've maneuvered through um, raising your boys and how you've been the light for people like me who's come up behind you, especially with Sarah, because I've reached out to you many times in the beginning for um, help, almost as if you were a mentor to me. So I feel like you embody a lot of what Amanda was trying to express in her poem. So I wanted Aww. to start out by saying that and thank you for having me here. That's so nice. Thank because, you. Uh, yeah, it's great to have a platform to talk about speech therapy because I think it's something that's um, overlooked or minimized in our society because people don't realize um, how much speech is needed to communicate and navigate through life and how you need to be understood to be able to get your needs met and your wants met and um, what a barrier it can be. Mm-hmm. And until you have a child that's dealing with that, um, do you realize like how much you take your own voice for granted? 
Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I know I can um, relate that to Tara that I, your son uses assistive technology and yeah. to, to speak. Yep. And that, and that's what um, we're going to end up talking about tonight um, to let the audience know, to let our listeners know that Casey, you're here to talk about speech and what it means for your family and how you tie it to Amanda Gorman and to even president Joe Biden. And, um, yeah, Finn uses a, um, speech device. It's called an accent and it's, it's his, they call it his dedicated device for his words. So there's a program on here, there that he uses to be able to communicate through, um, core vocabulary that they're teaching him at school. That is so, I feel like so neat and such a cool step that they've made in the speech world because I feel like without that, what a, what a, um, extensive barrier he, that he would have. Mm -hmm. So, um, I guess let me start with, I am a mother of three. I, I've already said I've, um, been friends with Sarah for years dating back to high school. We both married our high school sweethearts from the same high school, which is crazy. (laughs) And then I was lucky enough to meet you, Tara, through um, a special needs mom support group on Facebook many years ago. And somehow our energies just pulled together and here we are probably five years later and still communicating. Mm -hmm. So I think both of you are just been a blessing in my life. Um, The next thing uh, I've, so I've got three children, two of them, uh, are currently diagnosed with speech impediments or uh, speech diagnoses or however speech um, deficits, however you want to label it. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest son, his name is Ray. He has what's called childhood apraxia of speech. It's a severe speech disorder in which a child has difficulty making accurate movements with their mouth when speaking. So the brain struggles to plan motor movements to coordinate their speech. And to correct this, the child's brain has to learn how to move all their speech muscles, their lips, their jaw, their tongue, in ways to produce accurate speech sounds and they also have to learn how to do this at a normal speed and rhythm which is a lot of work to do so basically there's some sort of wiring disconnect between his brain and his mouth and it's hard for him to get those words he knows what he wants to say but he can't get them out into an intelligible form for us to understand so he has been in speech there yep i was gonna say i'm glad that Mm -hmm. um uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm glad that you mentioned the link between the brain and the muscles. I mm-hmm. think because most of the world takes it for granted that they're able to use their mouth to form words and speak them regularly, right? Um, yes, it's pe- something I never even heard of before this. Right? I knew that that was something someone could have. So, yeah. And if you think about so, the number of muscles that it takes to get that job done like for just to say a word right Mm -hmm. all these muscles have to coordinate in the proper time and order I never understood that um until I actually watched uh someone uh, an x-ray of someone swallowing and you got to see like all the muscles work in time and if they don't work in that specific order at that specific time they're messed up. It's not going to happen. Right. Yep. And that's like this, exactly like you're explaining with the speech, it's going to come out jumbled, gargled. Um, maybe the wrong word is pulled. And so it takes a lot of work and they're almost working 10 times the, um, the, the work that we take to just get out a, a, a basic word that we take for granted, like you said. And so there's all this going on up in the brain to get that word out. Mm -hmm. And um, to see it and to see my son progress has been quite a journey. Well, and that must um, be so frustrating a... for him. He's mm-hmm. like, here's the word I want to say, and your body's not cooperating. Like, that has to be so yeah. frustrating. Exactly. Like, he knows it in his mind, and he can say it clearly in his mind. So he's 
uh, voicing it in his inner voice correctly, but to translate that, it's this whole filter of steps and mo movements that he's got to concentrate on and get through. So um, apraxia also is neurological in nature, which um, I know you two are familiar with. Uh, it's also a lot of times not aged out of because the speaker just eventually learns strategies and coping mechanisms to kind of hide it or mask it and blend in more with um, average speakers, but mm. they never really get to a point where it's cured. So that's another thing about apraxia. It's kind of a lifelong battle that someone has to continue to, to sharpen those skills. And so that could follow him, although there are, are is a small percentage that age out of it, but it's, they told me it's not very likely. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, a treatment for this is just intensive speech therapy. We started it at age three and he's eight now. So we've done five years and we've done intensive speech therapy three to five days a week. Um, never missing going, driving back and forth to appointments, all the work wow. he's put in to try to get those words out, um, is just impressive. And I'm very proud of him. And, um, happy with um, his progress with all the help that we've had and resources. We've been blessed to have great speech pathologists and resources uh, in our life that he could get to a place where he can speak now. Mm -hmm. We're still working on that sentence level and getting the rhythm down. And he's still pulling uh, wrong words when he's talking and having a lot of pauses and um, he's got a lateral lisp that we're working through right now, but um, I'm really impressed with how far he's come. Yeah. So I wanted to do something and teach you guys what it's like to have apraxia. So there's a little game that we can try. So what you're going to do is you're going to try to sing the ABCs or you can say them and you're just going to switch the letters D and N when you say the ABCs. Dude, my brain already went, what are yep, you talking You're just going to try to say the ABCs and switch D and N. Okay. So you're going to say them and replace. So A, B, C, N, N, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, D. Oh God, what comes next? <laughs> Craig is help. Craig is assisting. Q O O. Hold on, where? Hold on. L M L N D O P Q R S T U V W X. That was challenging. Yep, that, that was, was hard, right? You don't so want to hear me do like it. Have, yeah. So that's what it's. They say it's like to have apraxia. Your brain has already memorized that motor plan for that song, and mm. naturally you want to make those movements with your mouth, but now you had to stop and think about those movements and it was super challenging and you're messing up and you're pausing and all of those things. That is what my son goes through just to get out one word, just one but, word. And when you just gave us that and like, just you telling us to do that, it did. I was like, wait a minute, what are you <laughs> talking? And it, it, it did it, it. It made me like freeze yeah. and have some anxiety yeah, that is what I feel like his life is like every day oh, and gosh. what I have to see and watch. And it's like I said, it's amazing to see um, these little guys perseverance and how they can yeah. just figure out strategies and ways to get through it and try to blend in. Because Who doesn't want to be accepted by their peers? I mean, it's mm -hmm. really t difficult to be accepted without any extra challenges, but course he you know is like everyone else and wants to blend in and he wants to hide that part of him and it's sometimes not easy to hide are you able so to additionally oh go ahead are you able to nope, you can tell us a little bit about um I don't know if you wanted to talk about this yet it how you mm -hmm. knew something was not okay because Ray yeah. is your oldest right yes okay yes okay so I did skip that I'm sorry um he did not babble we had no babbling when he was a baby. That translated to we were getting a few um, vowel sounds out, like a little bit, and then no words. Like we're at age three, four, no words, just some random 
sounds that were coming out of his mouth and then just pure frustration in a little boy that can't, he knows what he wants to say and he can understand the language we're giving him. So he, his receptive language was completely fine. He could understand and receive language, but to output it is where he has the deficit. And so um, there was no babbling, uh, limited number of spoken words. He had a few vowel sounds. Uh, he was about five when we started to hear words that were intelligible and five and a half, six before we got to some sentences. So he used a lot of gestures to communicate to us. We used sign language. Um, so basically a lot of it is really a whole lack of speech in general that they're just not displaying to you at all. Mm. And so that's what, what I was seeing. And I'm like, there is something wrong here. He's not mimicking me. We're not getting any sounds out that I feel like um, we would be seeing at these developmental stages. So we went the route of the pediatrician and then we went to three different speech pathologists and a neurologist for diagnosis. And then this is what all of them agreed on. And so that became his um, diagnosis at age three. And we've kind of uh, followed along with that care plan since then. Was so it we're difficult? five years into it. Was it difficult to get a diagnosis? I know a lot of times people it, are like, oh, boys are delayed or he'll talk when he's ready. Did you hear any of it, that? Yeah, I think my pediatrician was a little bit like that. Like um, he was like, well, he's a boy and mm -hmm. boys talk later. And we always get that stereotype. And then there's um, some some family that they for thing I don't know then you you have a lot of self-blame like what am I doing wrong as a mom because my kid's not talking and I'm sitting here narrating life to him all day long and I'm not getting anything back and so there's that sense of failure as a mom because you want your child to be able to communicate and when you see them so frustrated that they're um being almost violent out violent outbursts because they can't communicate what they're thinking mm -hmm. that was heartbreaking and i didn't even get to hear the word mom until like about five five and a half and then the like i love you didn't come till later so i mean it it was so prolonged that once i heard those words it was amazing even just basic things like trick or treat night was so hard because people would want wouldn't give him a treat unless he said trick or treat. Guys, don't like, do that. Talk. Don't <laughs> like, be that don't person. That. Yeah. So that was really difficult. Going through all that was difficult. But getting the diagnosis, I don't think it was. I feel like people, for the most part, believed me and they saw him and they knew right away like that something was off. I think so that's I, I the key th that you mentioned is people believed you like they they yeah. actually stopped and listened to what you were concerned about. There can be a lot of gaslighting yeah. in the medical community. I I can see how it can go that way for sure. And how you, that and then every every day, every month that passes that you don't get that diagnosis and your child's not getting the care and the supports that they need. And we have to fight that and get that as early, that early intervention is key. So I feel like, I mean, I did those things. I'm like thought, but I mean, it wasn't, I feel like it wasn't as bad as a fight as I've had later in the schools with some of the other issues we've had. So, mm -hmm. So um, he has this apraxia diagnosis and also my son has auditory processing disorder and this is the one he has in common with Amanda Gorman. And what's so interesting about this is um, it's a hearing problem, but uh, and it affects about 5% of school age children and um, they, they just don't hear the same way as other kids and it's not a matter of volume it's a matter of how they're interpreting sounds. So um, their ears and brain just fully don't coordinate for some reason. Something's interfering with the way the brain recognizes the sounds, especially those speech sounds. So kids with auditory processing disorder usually don't recognize slight differences between sounds and words, even when the sounds are loud and clear enough to be heard. 
And so this is something, like I said, Amanda Gorman's went through and my son deals with. And uh, if you're looking for symptoms of what uh, auditory processing disorder might look like, a child is easily distracted or bothered by loud or sudden noises. Noisy environments can be upsetting to the child. The um, child's behavior and performance can improve in a more quiet setting. So if you're noticing anything like that, and conversations can be really hard for them to follow. So um, with auditory processing, there's no real treatment. It's more of accommodations. So you have to make accommodations as like a parent, and then you have to get the school to make these accommodations. Mm -hmm. So things that we've done that help are you reduce background, background noise. I have to look at my son directly in the face and make sure like he's seeing me talk to him and that helps. Um, I have sometimes have to use simple expressive sentences and speak slower and louder to him because if not, I get a lot of what's and pauses and he's not taking in what I'm saying. It just, even if I say it 10 times, if I'm not saying it slow and loud, he's just not getting it absorbed into there. That sounds really so some things at school that we've familiar mm-hmm. to me. Uh, Q. Yeah. Di- he is diagnosed with ADHD around mm-hmm. four years, five years old. And one of the things that I have to do with him to this day is go to him and like put my hand on his shoulder as like a, a cue, you know, to say like, yes. I'm going to talk to you. And then I have to yes. look at him in the eyes and I have to say, please take out the trash. And I can't say more than that. Because if I do, his brain latches on to something way more interesting that I've said. And it's the huh yes. and the what and the pause and the and and that kind of thing. So that over that auditory processing, that overlap with ADHD is is pretty interesting. But then it's like, yeah, I, I like so many of these diagnoses overlap because it, it could also be executive functioning deficits. It could be. You know, like trying to figure out what is what sometimes is really difficult. Um, so that's I didn't know a lot about auditory processing. So it's really interesting. Did you experience any of that, Casey, as you were moving forward to get your diagnoses? Were they were the experts you were well, working with concerned actually, about any other? This one actually came from um, the school district when they tested him for dyslexia. They did all of this comprehensive testing and they found out he had this auditory processing and really his is more of this delay. Like he can't, like if you ask him a question, it takes him like way more time to soak that in and respond and Mm -hmm. like think about it, come up with his response and then put it back out. And so it's all of it into one, his apraxia and the listening all into one that's creating this difficulty for him to, to, taken that language and then put it back out so Hmm. um it it, that came and I really didn't even know it was something I knew something was weird because I was getting a lot of what's and huhs and we were struggling but when this when they came to me with this the school district it made perfect sense to me I'm like this makes perfect sense like I didn't know this even existed let alone this is what he was suffering from was it a was it a bit of a relief because I can imagine like you know, thinking like, oh, he's just being a difficult kid or. Yeah, yeah, it was. I think so, too, because sometimes like it does get frustrating as the mom you're trying to communicate and they're not taking it in. And then you're like, is he just being defiant? Like, are we going through oppositional defiant disorder? What is this? Mm-hmm. But I'm glad we did find and like pinpoint it and figure it out so that we could create these accommodations for him that have helped him kind of grow and succeed more. And um, I really like what the school uh, we've done with the school. He would, he's not in school now because we do homeschool, but he would sit in front of the classroom. So then he could hear better and kind of read lips. And I mean, although his hearing is fine, it's not like he needs hearing aids. It's like he needs to be able to hear and decipher those sounds so he can interpret them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And his teacher, I love this. His teacher was so great in second grade. She would give him a question 
48 hours in advance so that he could prepare a response so that like he wasn't put on the spot in front of the whole classroom and asked a question oh, out of nowhere. Oh, that's so cool. So he could participate with his class and be prepared and come home and bring the question. We'd go over his answer. Aww. And that way he didn't have those self-esteem issues he'd have before where he wouldn't speak in class at all. Because That's really awesome. It was a lot to, yeah. So we, he, that was one of the accommodations the school did. Um, and that's a great they, example of how something very simple can make such a big impact. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's mm-hmm. huge. And their self-esteem is tied so deeply into all of this and how their peers react to them. I feel like that should be put almost at the top of what's going on with your child, making sure that we're protecting them in those ways and they're not being mocked and bullied and all of those things for for what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Another thing I found, which I don't think our school district has, but they have computer-assisted programs designed for kids with auditory processing disorder. And I think that'd be really cool to look into further for when we do return to our district, Hmm. what I can find with technology for him to use Mm -hmm. and um, encourage our district to kind of buy into that. Uh, Another thing he does is testing and quiet spaces, and he gets a little bit of extra one-on-one Uh, like instruction with his teachers because of this auditory processing because it's hard for him to hear when there's so much chaos going on in the classroom. Oh, yeah. To to decipher the sounds in the teacher's voice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that Amanda Gorman. um, I'm I'm not laughing with you, my dear. I'm mm -hmm. laughing. Unfortunately, my dogs are very rowdy this evening. They want to participate in the podcast as well. And Aww. they they will lay down for a minute and then all of a sudden they will start playing with each other. So I don't. Can you even hear them on your end? I hear one of them. Do you hear one of them? That's, yeah, I hear one of them. That's super fantastic. I hear little toes. Little toe. Yes. Yep. A lot little of, toesies moving. Yep. So I thought it was so interesting when Amanda Gorman said she had the auditory processing disorder, too, because I have yet to really meet someone else that has said they've had that diagnosis. So that was pretty cool for me to see someone with that up on this stage in front of the entire world. That was, you know, it was just mind blowing. And Um, so I still have one. Yeah. And the fact that her superpower is speech right and she had to to work with so much to make that her superpower and that's like just just recognizing that i'm like that's amazing yeah 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 that's amazing it's so inspire inspiring to to someone that has two kids with speech delays and um I can't even tell you that day was so emotional all together. And then to add mm-hmm. that layer on top of it all. So the final diagnosis my son has is dyslexia. And this is really secondary to the other two. Cause I mean, you're, if you're thinking he has issues moving his mouth to speak, he has issues interpreting sounds when he's hearing. Now he has got to read words on a paper and apply sounds to those and say them out loud. So, at first, this was my most difficult diagnosis. They, the school did not even, they, it was so, so frustrating. They didn't even really have a plan for dyslexia. And here he is now, and this was in first grade. And I was thinking, well, all these teachers, aren't they trained in dyslexia and figuring out like the screenings and what it is? And the matter of fact is his teacher said she's never even met a child with dyslexia, which I don't believe I just think she's never it's never come to her attention Mm. yet or she's let them kind of slip through the cracks Mm -hmm. and so that was quite a battle because they were trying to tell me like oh your son's just lazy I'm like well he's turning in all of his other work and we're excelling in math and he's going to speech and they're saying he's putting in the work there and so you're telling me just this one area of reading he doesn't want to do it he's having an aversion to reading and that's basically what she's telling me. And I'm like, this does not make any sense when I know he has these speech issues. Of course, that's going to translate into him not being able to decode a word correctly because you have to assign like the speech sound to each section of your word and mm-hmm. then pronounce that. 
And so I just couldn't believe the battle that we had with um, that diagnosis. But I'm very glad that he got it because since then he has moved uh, leaps and bounds with his reading. Wonderful. And so that's just proof to me that once you have the right supports and um what am I trying to say? Instructions and everything like that, that your child can succeed. And it's kind of fighting for those to, so that they can get them. And I don't know if that's a funding thing or what, why it's been so difficult, but um, that well, was a battle. Well, to kind of answer that question, we have learned in our previous episode with our, another uh, family member with Ross, Mm-hmm. He talked to us about how the um, school funding in Ohio is unconstitutional. And mm-hmm. so, unfortunately, it's based on property taxes. Mm-hmm. So, unfortunately, where you live, if you don't have enough of those property taxes coming in, there's not enough funding to get the basics, let alone whatever other interventions might be needed to help the kids yeah. who need it just to have have basic stuff right just to be able yeah. to to participate in a basic way in their classroom yeah yeah well so then um they passed that this new dyslexia law and uh, for ohio and this is what really kind of blew my mind about that 20 percent of the population has dyslexia and only 5% of Ohio schools were screening for it. Whoa. So that is just wow. super inadequate. And all of these kids are falling through the cracks. And there's such a high rate of people that are put behind bars and prisons that have dyslexia. Mm-hmm. There's such a coordination with how your self-esteem when it comes to reading, it, it builds up into making poorer choices as you age because you feel like you have no other route with life and just feel beaten down because in class you couldn't read when it came to your turn and it's a very difficult thing and and if you can't read you're going to suffer in every area of of your education so i think that it needs to really i'm really proud of ohio that they've passed this bill and they I'm are really proud of whatever mom or whatever yeah. parent, whatever parent group uh-huh. went and fought for that because yeah. you know that that was a fight. Yeah, absolutely. So the legislation on it says that uh, the reading specialist will be retrained in dyslexia and that'll take about a year. So they're going to oh. give them about a year's worth of retraining, which I think is fabulous. And then every school has to do by age six dyslexia screenings to everybody. Awesome. And I think that's a huge step because that will stop, I feel like, a lot of these kids from slipping through the cracks and, and really um, starting to get them the right supports that they need. And um, I'm trying to think what else I read on that. But the, they are worried. What you brought up was how are they going to fund this program? Now, they put it into legislation, but how are they going to fund it mm-hmm. when you have to re-educate all? So they are finding some obstacles with this Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we'll kind of have to see how it plays out and if they're going to be able to make this come to fruition but the writing the law is a great step forward at least and we've got to take what we can take when when we get it so Mm um so okay yeah so you've talked (laughs) any other questions about dyslexia any of those because now I'm on to my daughter she has a speech diagnosis as well okay she's got the same speech diagnosis her my daughter is Carter she's seven she's my best friend she loves and all of her children are like amazing baby doll looking yeah they're they're, they're gorgeous they're gorgeous Aww, and they're so cool you. Yes. Like, I literally want to be friends with them. Yes, all the time. That's so sweet. Thank you. They are not like that to me. They're little crazy kids. (laughs) But um, my daughter, she has the same diagnosis as Amanda Gorman as far as speech. They both have what's called articulation errors. Okay. And we found this out when my, my daughter was four. And it's very common for siblings to have um, speech 
speech impediments together. It's not, this is something when I went to support groups, this was a very common thing. I think too, without a good example of language ahead of her and her brother, she was trying to come up with any speech that she could. And so what uh, articulation errors are that both Amanda and my daughter suffer from are um, the child will substitute one sound for another. So like if they want to say ride, they would say wide or they'll admit a sound. Like if they're going to say hat, they would say at. Mm. Um, they'll distort sounds. Like if they're trying to say the word chip, they would say schlip. So they would like maybe add in an extra letter and distort that sound. And there's a common theme with articulation errors. They're usually S's, L's, and R's. And I know from watching Amanda's uh, interview with Anderson Cooper that she really struggled with her R's. And that's what my daughter struggles with as well. And so I know Sarah had mentioned something about this, uh, the Hamilton song. Yeah. Do you want to say what the song is? And so do, do you um, Amanda talked about listening to the song Aaron Burr, sir, from the Hamilton soundtrack over and over and over um, so that she could practice that R sound. And I also listened to that song over and over and over <laughs> because I have a crush on <laughs> Hercules Mulligan um, and he's in the song. <laughs> like not yeah, the actor. So cool? It's the character because I'm not into James Madison. It's like something about the character, I think, because he's like the raunchy friend that I identify with. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, listening to this. You're hilarious. <laughs> so I listen to it a lot, too. <laughs> but I just thought that was so cool how she used music to work on her sound pronunciations. And I think that's something like I said, I will u- hopefully use with my children in the future is finding some cool song lyrics to kind of practice on their speech sounds. Yeah. So I kind of learned that from her. I've never even thought of that. And we've never went over that in speech therapy before so owen has a similar he also has articulation um issues and his are l's and th he has a really hard mm-hmm. time with th um so we used to go to the, to the drift shop a lot and um he would always oh always ask to go to the drift shop that's so cute yeah but now like that. he says thrift shop and it kind of bums me out you want him to still Aww. be cute well just like he's just like older and i know they're like, I'm proud good. of him because he's worked so hard to, like, yeah. get to that point. But, um, yeah. But I'm also like, oh. That is really like cute, though. I, yeah. <laughs> so, um, something I wanted to tell you guys was something I watched about Amanda on the Today Show. She did an interview in 2019. Mm-hmm. She said something that really, like, struck me because my kids can't really articulate to me yet what it's like to have the speech disorders that they do have. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of great for me to see adults who have them kind of share their experiences and what it's like. So then I get more insight of what my kid's going through. But she shared that her inner voice was always loud and clear. And that's why she connected with writing because she could hear her voice in her head completely normal it sounded completely normal, clear, and uh, she. Now I've got a cat in my way. Um, <laughs> All <laughs> and the so animals. I thought that was something really powerful that she was able to connect with words in that way and um, use them to her kind of to to weaponize into her superpower. And so they were no. It was no longer a deficit in her life. This my cat's going crazy now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Casey, um, I then, I wanted to ask you, you know, you said you were pretty emotional watching her that day. And then I feel like because we the three of us have been talking about this and to, to prep tonight to, to record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just kind of wondering, you know, like, yeah, what is it like for you as a mom? And you have your babies who have these similar challenges that they have to rise up and meet. Um, so what is it like for you to see this amazing young adult be up there and kind of conquering the world? Well, what I found really neat about Amanda was that I watched a lot for prep for this. I watched a lot of interviews and then a lot of her poetry recitings Mm -hmm. and she, 
it's so you can see all of the practice she puts into when she presents like her spoken word mm -hmm. because it comes out a lot more clear and precise. And then when you watch her in a free flowing conversation, you can kind of, you can pick up on her articulation errors. So it's so amazing to see how she works so hard to, to get that poetry out and to, to make it sound so crisp mm. and clear and mm. enunciated and powerful. And so much so, feeling. Yeah. There's yeah. so, I mean, there's just so much feeling in what she says, like every word. And then to know that she went through a lot of the same struggles that my daughter is going through with speech and she went to Harvard, she graduated in 2020, like summa cum laude or, and I mean, she's just so impressive. And I know I'm not trying to hold my daughter to that standard, but I mean, it is just amazing to see someone with this diagnosis, be able to persevere and find their way and, and use words that could, it could potentially be um, something that held her back, but instead it propelled her forward. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I just find that so inspiring and it just gives me a lot of hope. Well, and I a can imagine that, uh, if people like her can be in that space. Yeah. Did Carter watch it with you? She watched it the next day and we went over it all and everything, which was really cool because then I hear I can share that with her. And here's this beautiful, strong young woman speaking this poem in front of the entire world. And she has this, she went to speech therapy just like you are now. I mean, that was just such a cool moment for us. Mm -hmm. So it's another um, example of how representation matters. You know, I can oh, imagine yeah. seeing this you know, monumental event taking place on a world stage and hearing, you know, she has the same struggles that you do, that would be very empowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. I thought it was pretty cool. And uh, Tara shared this last night, which I hadn't read yet, that at 14, Miss um, Miss uh, Gorman, she had joined Write Girl, which is a monthly creative writing workshop. And she was matched with volunteers for one-on-one -on -one mentoring. What I thought was really cool about this place is they created like a safe place for Amanda where they didn't really comment or judge her on her, the way she spoke. And they just focused on her poetry. And then they slowly encouraged her to stand up and speak it. And then they gave her great feedback instead of like mimicking, mocking her or criticizing her. They gave her amazing feedback and built her self-esteem up. And then she did it again and it felt great. And so then she created this whole identity, being able to use her, her words to, um, share what was on her mind and on her heart mm -hmm. and to, to, um, uh, also talk about social justice and change and how she wants to view the world. I think there's a lot we could all learn from that. So it's, it says in the article, um, from CNN that I shared, um, that her mentors were telling her, we don't want you to feel like you have something that needs to be fixed because none of us do. Um, and that they could see, because she heard that they could see her confidence growing every day, every time she got up to the microphone. And I think that is something so important for us as mothers to I want to take note of is finding maybe a good mentoring program for my kids. I've never even thought of that yet. And to, to see what I know my daughter's passion is contortion, which is the craziest of things. But I mean, and she is I, I know why she does that. I'm like, how do you she, do that? <laughs> she has such difficulty communicating with people that she uses her body to communicate, I feel like, and do these crazy things. And then she gets this cool feedback, just like Amanda did. And then it makes her want to do, it, it raises her self-esteem and makes her want to try it more. And then all of a sudden now she's got her legs over her head and she's eating an apple with her feet from behind it's pretty wild circus stuff that she's into so but we encourage it so um 
So, and then also Amanda, she talked about how she used poetry as her form of speech therapy. She would write her poems and practice and practice until she could pronounce things correctly. Um, I thought that was pretty cool that she would just use her poetry and write it and practice and practice. And that's something also that she has in common with Joe Biden with his stutter. I didn't know this till I researched. He got through his stutter talking poetry. He would shine a flashlight on his face and put Emerson, Ralph, Ralph Walter, Waldo Emerson in front of him and read and watch his face move in the mirror until hmm. he could get the words out. And so I thought that was pretty, I think there was a real reason why he picked Amanda to be at that inauguration. I think they had a really strong bond over this, the speech identity part of their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I have uh, a quote that Amanda would always say to herself, and I thought this was really cool and I wanted to share it. So she would use this quote as a mantra and it was written by Marianne Deborah Williamson. And the quote is, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. And I found that mind blowing. I, I wanna put that quote in my bedroom. I wanna put it in my kids' bedroom on the mirrors on everywhere. What do you think about that one? Mm-hmm. I've heard yeah, I've heard that before. And I think it's I think it speaks to how often we come from a place of lack, of place of scarcity or a place of poverty, like poverty of the soul, and how we see ourselves as less than first. And we don't consider, you know, all kind of the amazing things that we're able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And you were talking about President Joe Biden. And I'm I just wondered quickly, I had a I thought I had a question about that specifically. When you're seeing him speak, how does it Mm -hmm. how does it feel for you when you see him speak? You know what's happening for him because you're the mom right to the kiddo who Mm -hmm. has the same stuff he does and and then you hear other people say like oh he's crazy or he's old or he's sleepy what's that like for you when you hear that so a little bit more backstory on joe biden he was about four when his parents noticed he had a stutter and he was mimicked and mocked at school he was called everything from stuttering joe he told a story about how he went to school one day and he went to catholic school so there was nuns and he had to stand up and say the word gentleman and he couldn't get it out he's stuttering over it and the nun eventually started stuttering back at him almost to mock him and she goes like something like come on joe biden and like stuttering at him so in protest he picked up his book bag and left classroom and walked home and went and told his mom and so his mom marched herself right down to the school and had a meeting with the nun and said you don't ever do that to my son again else i'm gonna knock that bonnet right off of your head Mama, <laughs> good for her and I'm just Biden's laughing. It. <laughs> yeah i'm just laughing because i'm like when has there not been a time us moms haven't had to go to the school and try to stand up for our kids right yeah. right oh that's so, so oh that's so heartbreaking yeah and then he was he told another story when he was 20 years old he tried to get a job at a cafe and he was still stuttering at this point and they refused to hire him because they said that he would make the customers uncomfortable. Mm. So he has been through layers and levels of um, (sighs) discrimination for sure, based on his stutter throughout his life. So he has worked himself to the bone to try to cover the stutter up. And, um, It is. Stuttering is recognized as a disability under the Americans with Disability Act. So Mm -hmm. technically, our president has a disability. And so we need to recognize that, share that, raise awareness about that, Mm -hmm. because I am seeing discriminatory marks and comments that um, are really difficult for me to process because they're saying things like he's sleepy Joe or crazy old Joe. 
And it's really um, him dealing with his stutter and trying to hide it and minimize it. Mm -hmm. So he does something that my son does, which is called circumlocution. This is when you try to cover up a speech error. So you kind of make a pause in your speech and you take a word and you switch it with an alternate word. So this can result in what's called a a kind of a mangled syntax, which Mm. means it will change the meaning of the sentence because now you replaced a word. And he has done this um, for an example of him doing this. He tried to say the word Obama at one of his speeches, and he started to stutter on the O in Obama. So he quickly shifted himself and said, my boss. And so in order to prevent that stutter, he quickly made this shift in his speech. And then the next day, the media went crazy and said, Biden forgets Obama's name. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not what happened at all. He was trying to minimize his stutter after years of being, you know, ridiculed and mocked. The the first thing he wants to do is protect himself from that stutter, whether even if it means sacrificing what the sentence meaning is going to be. He'd rather do that than show his stutter to everybody. Well, and it's and also, also probably a trauma response. Yeah. Yeah, it goes deep. I mean, it goes deep. There's layers to it. And so to hear people say, well, he can't even put together a sentence. Well, yeah, maybe he can't because he has a stutter and a severe speech impediment that he is facing and trying to overcome in front of millions of people. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows more of a lack of understanding of the listener than than we should be putting. We should not be putting any blame on the speaker. I mean, he's doing the best that he can to formulate his sentences and communicate in the in the way that he knows how to. And he's doing things like my son does. He's working triple time to think and to not screw up and to get the words out in this order and don't stutter on this letter. And we can't say, uh, and so he's doing all these mental gymnastics to, to get his speech out. And he does have some errors and the political world calls them gaffes, but they're really just signs of his disability. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something going on like where they wrote Bidenisms and he uses things like um, here's the deal. Like he'll always say, here's the deal. Mm-hmm. And I believe my theory is he uses these common phrases to kind of buy himself time because I see my son do this. He'll pull at like common phrases to kind of buy himself time while he thinks and works on the words he's trying to get out. So when you hear him kind of repeating things consistently, mm-hmm. it's him trying to kind of navigate his conversation and get prepared for the next thing he is about to say. And I think some of this to untrained ears, they're not going to catch it. Mm. They're just going to think, oh, he has mental decline, but that's not the case at all. I mean, my son is eight and he doesn't have mental decline and he does these same things. Right. Even the hand gestures, like when they're reaching for a word, I see Biden doing hand gestures. My son does them Hmm. to like kind of get the word out. You're using physical movements to kind of get the words out of your head. Mm hmm. So um, I think we've got to work on really teaching empathy of listening and that we're not there yet because to hear people just demean him, bully him on the Internet, it really strikes a chord with me. And I get very upset because those same people are going to be teaching their kids to make fun of my kid. And that's not right. And we've got to kind of nip it on the bud. And like I said, focus on that. Sometimes as listeners, we have to take a a strong responsibility of being patient and empathetic and trying to understand the whole of a person as much as we can before we're trying to make judgments and laugh and mock them. Um, So I kind of hope that's something people take from this, but to see Joe Biden on, on the stage with Amanda Gorman both having severe speech obstacles. I mean, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. And then like my son has latched onto Joe Biden and thinks he's such a role model. And I mean, it is such so cool to have a president that is like a role model to my child Mm -hmm. now, like, Mm -hmm. and 
just to hear we sat and watched YouTube videos of Joe Biden talking about his stutter through life and giving his phone number out to strangers. Like, we'll talk about your stutter. Like he helps, he genuinely helps people with speech impediments. And when my son watched those, he was floored. Like, this is amazing. And I just could not be more thankful. I think we can criticize Joe Biden on a lot of things, but we cannot criticize him on his speech Mm -hmm. because it's discrimination. And And he's worked really freaking hard, harder than we have to overcome. Like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Casey, I'm I'm kind of wondering, um, you have shared so much stuff with us, so much good stuff with us. And so much with our listeners, um, things that I didn't even realize. Yeah, I'm sitting here like, what? I know. And I have a, I mean, I have a kid who uses a speech device. Yeah. Um, And if anybody is listening and the only thing you take away is doing that trick where you're trying to switch the D and the N in the alphabet, maybe that will give you some empathy to try that because literally... My brain That's exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Biden is trying to do, though, too. He's trying to work through that wiring to mm-hmm. get his words out. Mm-hmm. And so not only is that trick good for a, to, to de- demonstrate apraxia, but also stuttering mm-hmm. and how your the cadence of your speech can be interrupted. And we saw that with Sarah trying to say the ABC. She was interrupted like 10 times. She couldn't get it out. Mm-hmm. But I wanted I have one. um quote that I have from Biden that um, really resonated with me and I wanted to share with you. And then I think I'm done with all of my research, but um, (laughs) I have this. He wrote this to the National Stuttering Foundation. And he said, if I could share one piece of advice with all of those struggling with a stutter, it would be this. When you commit yourself to a goal and you you preserve in the face of struggle, persevere, sorry, when you persevere, persevere in the face of struggle, you will discover new strengths and skills to help you overcome not only this challenge, but future life challenges as well. I promise you, you have nothing to be ashamed of, and you have every reason to be proud. And I thought that made me cry. Like that is a great statement. I do believe that these children are taking this, they hopefully take the struggles that they are presented with and turn them into their superpowers. Like I feel like Joe Biden has and Amanda Gorman has. Mm -hmm. And I hope my children do the same thing. And I hope I nurture their passions where they are. And um, my goal is I don't need to have presidents as kids, but I would love to have kids that they they have relationships with people that listen to them and are patient with them mm-hmm. and don't make fun of them and accept them for who they are. And that's really my main goal for them in their life. So mm-hmm. and I think having these two on that stage that day helps um, present that to the world, mm-hmm. those ideas. So and it gives you some hope that through that, you know, through the global audience watching Amanda and President Biden, that gives you hope as a mom that people will get it, that people will develop empathy towards it. Yeah. And if we can create a safe space where they could speak on a national stage and not be ridiculed for their speech impediments, then we should be able to put our kids in spaces where they aren't ridiculed. Mm -hmm. And I know Joe Biden's getting ridiculed. And unfortunately, I heard Amanda Gordon Gorman getting ridiculed on Fox News. She was they're saying, well, she went to private school. She knows nothing about oppression. She went to private school. So it was that was really frustrating to hear. But um, the good thing is, is that we don't have to pay attention to Fox News anymore. Right. (laughs) We're all done. Fox News. (laughs) I thought that her message was so um, unifying, but to hear them try to find any division in it they could was um, obviously frustrating. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. So ending on this, I'm wondering if you have any encouragement um, or words of wisdom you want to share with any families who might be listening that are either kind of in the beginning stages or, you know, also dealing with their with their own speech difficulties or challenges. 
I think um, that we could take themes from both Amanda Gorman. Am I saying her name right? Mm -hmm. Amanda Gorman mm -hmm. and Joe Biden. And both of them have credited their mothers for how they have persevered through their uh, diagnoses. And I think it is a credit to us three women here. We're all three mothers and we're sitting down and talking and trying to learn about um, the special needs world and um, everything that the, these unique experiences that we're all going through that, but it kind of pulls us together in a common thread. But I think being a mom and speaking life into your kids is such a big thing and encouraging them and not letting them feel different, but making them feel unique in, in so many ways and worthy and um, all of those things, just building your child up, I think is so important. And then of course, um, early intervention and mm -hmm. finding resources, but I know that can be difficult for some families. And um, following your gut instinct, if you feel like there's something wrong, I mean, continue to fight and talk and advocate until you feel like your child's getting the adequate education that you think they deserve. Yeah. So those are my words of advice and hope and love. And um, I wish everyone well and I hope that we can all be the light. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Amazing. Yeah. Casey, you're awesome. For real. Thank you so much for being here. Your kids are so I, cool. Did I, I lecture know. you? No, I've thought it was fascinating. <laughs> like, you have a whole lecture planned for them. Like, you're going to, I'm like, well, I've got a lot I've got to say. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, this I was mean, just practice for your TED talk. Yes. Thank mm -hmm. you. Yeah. Oh, thank you both for having me on. It means a lot to have a platform to share about our story and um, the love that we have in it. So, mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be here without your, you both supporting me. So I hope I am there for you back. Absolutely. So. Yeah. And thank you for coming and you can come back anytime and you can give us updates on the wonderful Ray and the wonderful Carter and how they contort and Calvin's how, in there too. And Calvin and <laughs> Calvin yeah. is a little bitty. Oh, he's so cute. He's like a little bitty pocket baby. And I'm going to put him in my pocket and like <laughs> carry him around. He's so cute. He is. He yeah. is. You called him, what did Lionel, what'd you call him? Lionel or something? Linus when you with his little Linus, blanket. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's just, oh, he's so freaking cute. Okay. We will, if it's all right with you, we'll, um, cause I know Sarah's taking y'all's pictures. Have you shared her family pictures? Yeah. Is it okay if I share one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah she's it's done probably older. Okay. Yeah, but that's okay. I love all your pictures you've done of us. So anyone will be perfect, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so we'll Just because she's such a good photographer. Oh, thank you. We'll, we'll let our well, listeners see. thank you, ladies. See. Go and watch the poem, uh, Amanda's poem I'm from the yep. Super Bowl. I'm going right to do that now. We're so. going to do that now. So we're going to say goodbye. And thanks again for coming on. And all right. Bye-bye. Have a good night. Thank you so much. Thank All you. Right. Bye.